Good evening. Uh, tonight, we're really excited to have Ron Sarnicki from the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation to be with us tonight. As you guys know, we uh, were supposed to have uh, Chief Goldfeder. Chief Goldfeder had a conflict and asked if he could move his night to another night. And I went to the I went to the to the bullpen, and I'm so happy and honored that uh, uh, Ron Sarnicki, the executive director of the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation is with us tonight. So Chief, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your evening to be with us. Not a problem at all. I, I've been in Emmitsburg most of the day and uh, today was the EFO class graduation. So I had a chance to address the class and then I'm sitting in my office. So I figured I'd come here where it's gonna be quiet and talk with you a little bit and then I'm gonna go home. So it's a good day. <laughs> we'll get you home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, wait, but we should talk about, you know, I don't think a lot of fire service people know who you are, or some of the senior fire service people or national fire service people know how you are, but a lot of folks don't know who Ryan Sonicki is. So, I mean, if I got, if I remember correctly, you started as a, in the volunteer firehouse, right? Volunteer That's correct. Uh, I grew up in a small town just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, Manesson, uh, Pennsylvania. And it was a steel mill town, like most of the Western PA. And my dad and my grandfather were volunteer firefighters. And so I grew up in a fire service family. And I joined there when I was uh, able at, at, and, and participated at Manesson Hose House number two for a couple of years before I went off to college and started to do other things. Uh, the, the big point was in 1978, I got hired by Prince George's County, Maryland, where I spent a 24 year career as a firefighter there. And it was a great journey. I worked my way up through the ranks, the chief of department, uh, did the last four years as chief. And in 2001, got offered the position of executive director for the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. And, you know, thought about that and said, you know, I, you always struggle when you have to take the uniform off. But I knew about the foundation. I knew what their purpose was. And I've always had a passion for that kind of work. So I thought maybe this was just meant to be. And Hal Bruno, who was a huge fire service icon, was the chairman of the board. I've worked with Hal before. He was in Montgomery County, Maryland, which adjoins Prince George's. So I knew of him. And uh, when we sat and talked, uh, I said, this is the right move. And so I joined that and it's 21 years now at the Fallen Firefighters Foundation. So it's been a great journey, it really has. I was going to say four years is about the, the right amount of time to spend as a chief too. <laughs> yeah. I, I I did 20 and I'm not right. So I, you know, four years, get in, do your thing and then get out. I tell young aspiring chiefs, their assistant chiefs, deputies, whatever, take your time, learn the budget process, learn the political process. Then when it's your time, you go in five years left. You can, you can manage that. You can handle that and you can still, leave without heart disease and a migraine. Um, well, and Prince George's is a metro department. And so um, the average lifespan of a metro fire chief is about four years. So it's just, that's due to the politics because the county executive or the mayor or the chairman of the legislature, you know, changes on, on election cycle and those positions are appointed. So that's just the, the name of the game that we deal with each and every day. We had a couple of the, the, the uh, women chiefs from the belt came on as again because they're making changes and stuff and they did a they, it was a it was a hysterical show we had a uh, we had a really good time 
there. It's interesting. We actually landed at the fire academy at the same time, at the fallen firefighters at the same time, because my guy was memorialized on to, in, in 2001. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. It's, it's a small world. And, you know, today, as I said, I spoke to the graduating class of the executive fire officer program. And we, we just talked about the journey that we've taken within our fire service careers and the people that we meet and the people we interact with and how that eventually comes around to, you know, seeing uh, Tanya Hoover now is a deputy administrator. And she and I did a lot of work in the early days when we were doing work in Prince George's on, on, on sprinklers. And Lori Moromero, who's the fire administrator, I knew Lori for years when she worked at the IFF. So yep. it's it's all that cycle and circle of, of the fire industry. It's a, it's, a, it's a very tight-knit family, and it's a small working group. It really is. So, so give us a little bit of background. Uh, we did, uh, the, the viewers know we did a, a, a session with, a, with the leadership of the memorial that was very well received. They did a great job. But take us back, take us back a little bit in the history and how the foundation uh, came to be, and then talk a little bit about how and his vision and 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 where he took. It. We've been through. I've been through three. Uh, how uh, uh, Denny and now the new the, the newest uh, the newest chairman, Troy. Yeah. So well, the 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 National Fallen Firefighters Memorial was actually built in 1981, and at that time there was no national monument to recognize America's fallen firefighters. And so uh, under President Reagan, efforts were put in to build the memorial. And there was a lot of discussion back then about where the memorial should be located. There was people who thought in DC, there were people who thought uh, in other parts of the country, but because the fire academy was there, there was a, a general consensus that that is the senior leadership training facility for our country's fire service community. That would be a good place. So thus the memorial was built. And then starting um, it, it, with with the, the, uh, the firefighters that next year, they were honored each year. Uh, and what we do is we track all of those line of duty deaths on an annual basis and then honor them the following year. Well, as, as the memorial began to blossom uh, and the, the memorial services were run by the United States Fire Administration, a segment of government. The difficulty is the USFA could not fundraise. And so the families would be invited to come to Emmitsburg, but they'd be told they'd have to pay their own way to get there. And there was a group of individuals that thought that there needed to be a separate nonprofit organization running the memorial services who could fundraise and provide support and assistance to the families. So one, they could get to, to Emmitsburg for the service and two, they could be helped in, as they put their lives back together. So in 1992, Senator Paul Sarbanes introduced legislation to create the foundation. And through a public law, the foundation was established as a 501c3 in the state of Maryland, and it comprises of a board of directors uh, appointed by the United States Fire Administration, straighter. So that's the connection back to USFA. Okay. And since we're on USFA property, uh, there, we have a great relationship with them. And so along comes, you know, the 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 
the foundation board is now established and uh, staff from the fire administration retired and went to work for the Fallen Firefighters Foundation in his early days. And so Hal Bruno was chairman of the board and he was a huge news guy. Uh, ABC News did, did a lot of projects, uh, Firehouse Magazine, of course, and others. And so he, he wanted to bring in uh, a, someone to, that could actually go out and do a lot of fundraising and to take the foundation to the next level. So in 2001, I had the pleasure and the opportunity of him offering me that position. And then what we've done since 2001 has been to add programs and services to the families, uh, find the resources to do that, and to build onto the National Memorial Park, which is where the, the, the Fallen Firefighters Foundation is, the 9-11 statue, the Fallen Firefighters Memorial Chapel, and the Brick Walk of Honor. So all that's connected in, into all of that. It, it was, it, it's, and it's beautiful. It's sad to say though, we had, we you ran out of room <laughs> in the original, uh, in the original memorial, right? Which was beautiful, which was a beautiful memorial, but it was like, we're running out of, we're literally running out of space to put these plaques. So you guys did a tremendous uh, renovation up there and it, it's just gorgeous it's just a gorgeous it's just a gorgeous uh location one of the things that's hard that i get upset at is uh and for the rest of the for our, our audience whenever there's a line of duty death in the united states the flags at the memorial are brought to half mast mm -hmm. and I, and they stay there until those those folks are interned and then they can go back up been going to the academy for a long time and i can count on one hand yeah one hand the number of times that the flag stayed up the whole week it's it's it can be heartbreaking to see that now we you guys have updated the old pegboard with an electronic version you know modernized all that the other thing that uh in case anyone's going to the fire academy don't forget uh classes many classes have given donations for and bought bricks in the name of their instructors or in the name of their program and those go on the walk of honor um and in addition to uh many families associations departments will put a buy a brick or a big brick or a, a big insignia um for that to memorialize their their loved ones I think one of the things that most people don't understand, I know you understand, but most don't understand is the the effort and the motivation or the love that goes into trying to take care of, of these folks. And it's not only just during, it's not just one weekend in October. Um, I've been involved in a couple of cursory uh, operations or, or, or different projects, um, but it truly, it truly is, it truly is, hold on one second here, it truly is, um, I gotta mute this guy here. Okay, um, I'm sorry, I had to, I mute Dave there for a second. Um, it truly is uh, an effort 
to take care of all those survivors and almost whatever they need. Right. I mean, and it's, 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 so it's, it's beyond what I'm trying to spit out here is it's beyond the memorial. It starts, it starts well before the memorial and it carries on for years. For You're years. absolutely right. And so, you know, the foundation is, is divided into several operational components. And uh, there is the team that you had on your show that deals with the Memorial Weekend activities, the memorial service, and the candlelight, and all the activities that are built in to occur that first weekend in October, where our nation pays tribute to those fallen firefighters. But another component of the foundation is our family programs. And our effort is to help the fire hero families put their lives back together as best as possible after the tragic loss of their firefighter. And so we do that with educational programs. We do that with components that help enhance their life skills, <clears throat> scholarships to help uh, the, the, the family members go back to college or job training, whatever they might need. We have programs that enhance wellness for, the, for those families. We provide some financial planning assistance if that's something they should need. And, and most importantly, we ensure that family knows that their loved one is never gonna be forgotten. That's the big piece. And that includes them getting a, a, a remembrance card. It's a, a note card that's handwritten by another family member on the anniversary of their firefighter's death. So that they know no matter where they are, what they're doing, that the foundation is thinking about them and that other fire hero families are thinking about them. And, and that's, that's so important that they know that there's people that care. And of course, those programs, you're right, they happen all year long. In the summertime, we're doing camps, which are named after Hell Bruno, the Hell, Hell's Camps for Kids. And uh, uh, the, that program is designed to let the children of fallen firefighters go out and experience a camp setting, whether it's, you know, in, in, in a, 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 a rural setting or an urban setting or even a wildland setting, they go out and participate with other kids who have had the same experience they did, the loss of a firefighter parent. And that really helps them to, to be just a normal kid that day. So often we see the kids are, you know, they're in school and somebody says, well, there's Johnny, his dad was a firefighter, he died, or they're at the grocery store, there's Susie, her mom died as a firefighter. But when they're at Camp Hell, they're just one of the kids. They're just one of the kids. And they get that, opportunity to just just have a normal day without the constant we call it that ne negative celebrity status but without that constant reminder that they lost a firefighter and so it, it helps them kind of build that and and our family programs are, are pretty intense uh, they as I said they, they we do workshops across the country we do interventions uh, we provide all kinds of uh, counseling support you know, and of course, there's always the first that are the problem, the first holiday after the death, the, the first wedding in the family, the first birth, the, you know, whatever it might be, birthdays, whatever it might not happen, that that is just that constant reminder that that firefighter is not there with them. And our goal is to help them manage that and get into some kind of new level of normality. So we keep hearing this term, the new normal. Well, Everybody's in a different level, and, and we try to help them figure out where 
they're going to have the most comfort. And that's what the family programs are all about. And so you take them where they are and you try to get them to the next step. Where So you might have, because we run into this, where we have someone where the, the fatality is, the line of this is relatively fresh. And then we have other ones that it's been, it's been a year or more. But so they're all, they're all like this. Nobody's, they're not like that. They're all like this. So the evolution is let's find out where they are and let's take them to the next step. We had Tony Ruggiero on, uh, who's a, very active in the camps. Uh, he, him and his wife go out to Colorado every summer and, um, and help out there. Uh, this week, I was uh, texting with Dan Krasinski from mm -hmm. East Franklin. He's down at the Chief to Chief. And I was talking with uh, with Jimmy McLaughlin, who's down there at the incident commander to incident commander. So it's just it 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 never I, again. I didn't. I'm going to read off a list in a little bit here, but I never realized, um, you know, how much stuff. I mean, I when I was doing the Taku and the Chief to Chief and 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 you know working with that that group, you know, we we knew I knew there was a lot of uh, programs going on. You know, and I knew about the the, um, the scholarship team, but it it really is just a, a crazy you know crazy thing as to how much how much stuff is actually going on, um, and it you know it, and it happens every it's it's going on every week. Uh, so, so those programs you're talking about are in our fire hero programs or our fire service programs, I should say, and those are intended to help departments prepare right. for, and then ultimately deal with a line of duty death. And Taku, which is taking care of our own, is a class we provide across the country for free to help departments put together an incident action plan should they have a tragic loss of a firefighter. And then the other ones you're talking about, the IC to IC, incident commander to incident commanders, what those are, is the same issue we see with our families, is that we try to hook them up with other people who've been in the same situation they have. And so the chief the chief network is for the chiefs of department that have a line of duty. And we have other chiefs that have been through it that help them sort of like in a peer capacity. And so the, we just recently did the incident commander because that person who's on the fire ground calling the shots when that tragedy occurs suffers greatly because it, it happened on their watch. And so I was the chief of the department. I've had my share of line of duty deaths as the chief. I am fortunate I've not had one on an incident where I was in command of the direct command of the incident, but I can understand how devastating it is. And so those programs are intended to help the fire service community get back to some level of normalcy as well. I'm really excited about the uh, IC one because again, a lot of times I dealt with the incident command, I, I dealt with the chief of the departments and again, you know, some of those guys in the smaller world, in my world, the, the chief of the department is probably going to be the incident commander. But when uh, when I was dealing with Atlanta, right, you know, he, he wasn't going to be, he wasn't on, going to be on scene. He may end up on scene, but the guy who had that initial try to save him, try to save him, let's make the right moves. Did right. I do everything right? Why didn't I? Why didn't I think of this? Why didn't I think of that? Or everybody else telling them, why didn't you? You know, uh, the 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 Monday morning quarterbacks just beating, beating this poor guy up who just lost a brother. I mean, he lost. Particularly if it's his if it's his shift, he knows everybody on his shift. He knows them personally. Right. And then you know to lose them and uh, have this. I'm really excited about that one. I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be a home run. 
I think that's it's something that's been needed for a while. And as we continue to assess the fire community and where they are with the line of duty dust that we have, we're, we're learning as well. But there are some things that maybe we need to add to the programs, some things we need to tweak a little bit. But the whole intent on that side of it is to help prepare for and deal with the line of duty. But right. the other side of fire programs is all the efforts to reduce line of duty deaths. And you had mentioned that earlier uh, about the memorial and we were running out of room. Well, the truth of the matter is that's a direct result of 9-11. Uh, when, when, when 9-11 hit and the 343 firefighters in New York, plus the fire marshals, and then the other 99 firefighters who died that year, non-FDNY, we were faced with that challenge that there, that there wasn't going to be enough room within a year or two to keep adding names. So that's when we did the major facelift and we added uh, an exterior stone wall to put bronze plates on. But the other thing that came out of that was our board said, maybe we ought to be working to prevent the line of duty deaths exactly. so that the families don't have to go through the tragedy of losing one of their loved ones. And so that's where the birth of everyone goes home came from. The, uh, out of that, that concept and that 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 uh, tragedy turned to opportunity, and and that led to the 16 firefighter life safety initiatives, and uh, the Tampa summits, and the Truman Fire Forum, the Fire Hero Learning Network, legacies and leadership. All those pieces are all kind of directly connected to the tragedy of 9/11. That I, and I had so many things I want to talk about. So, <laughs> because I, I, I am embarrassed to tell you, I didn't know about the legacy program until I started doing the research. Now I'm ashamed of that. I should have known that because those are tremendous. Those are tremendous uh, resources. Now, I think the other thing that's going to waffle us a little bit, and I don't, this is meant with no disrespect. Um, you know, for years we looked at, the, what I would call the raw numbers and we were up in the hundreds then we were in the 80s then I think in 2019 I think we we're in the 60s when it came to straight line of duty let's call them traditional line of duty deaths exactly um, however and then I don't think it's a bad thing I don't think it's a bad thing at all but from a numbers guy when uh and I think the guys from New York who die from New York uh syndrome deserve to be on that wall as well. That that started rock, rocking the numbers a little bit from a statistics analysis. Well, and then now with, uh, I, I assume at some point, the COVID folks that lost their lives of taking care of other people, I think, I imagine that's gonna end up at some point being recognized somewhere. Well, it's already uh, started. And, and so that is an excellent point because the, the issue was the original criteria used for the Fallen Firefighters Memorial was developed in 1997 by the large fire service organizations in the foundation. And they laid out what would be classified as a line of duty for recognition in Emmitsburg. And that's where the cardiac cases were included, even though back then the Department of Justice through PSOB was not recognizing cardiac or vascular ruptures or strokes, but we were. And so that's the criteria that was being focused with Everyone Goes Home and the 16 Life Safety Initiatives. And you're right, that number has continued to decrease over the years through everyone's work, 
all the national organizations, the fire service community, the foundation and others all pushing to reduce those traditional, if I could use that legacy criteria line of duty deaths. But then as a result of Tampa 2, there, there began a movement to say, we need to look at firefighter cancer deaths. And for those listening, if you don't know what I'm referring to, uh, in, in 2014, excuse me, 2004, we, got, we gathered in Tampa, Florida to uh, look at how we could reduce firefighter line of duty deaths. And that was the birth of the 16 Life Safety Initiatives and that summit was held in Tampa, Florida. And that's where we, we, we started to focus on reducing the line of duty deaths. And then we went back uh, almost 15 years later to look at were the, 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 were the initiatives still relevant and we're still doing the right stuff. And the general consensus in Tampa too was yes, we are doing the right things, but we need to address the cancer issue. So you have the cancer cases. Well, at that same time, due to the work that Dr. Howard did with the World Trade Center disease, and Dr. Howard is the one who's done all the research within NIOSH to determine the connectivity of the, the byproducts of combustion from 9-11 and cancers, he began to certify firefighter deaths due to cancer directly connected to 9-11. Now, why that's important is the federal legislation that entitles a firefighter's family to the death benefit under PSOB says that the death has to be a direct and proximal result of an incident, singular. And that's been the problem with cancers in the past mm. is oftentimes the cancer deaths are cumulative exposures time after time after time. So Dr. Howard made the connection with the research he did to say these individuals got this cancer and there's a, a, a slew of them. I think it's almost like 48 different cancers now they've identified oh, as a result of their response to that single incident on 9-11. So that changed the game. So we've been honoring cancer cases now for the last couple of years. But now we have another mix because we have the legacy criteria, the cancer criteria, the world Father Judd. criteria, and now we have COVID. And the COVID deaths are now included by congressional uh, activity, uh, public law, to say that if a first responder is diagnosed with COVID within a 45-day window of potential exposure, then they're eligible for the Public Safety Officer Benefit Program. So to give you an idea of the magnitude, as of this week, 1,272 public safety officers have died from COVID. Oh my God. Of that, 279 firefighters, 87, excuse me, 87 emergency medical service workers, 876 law enforcement officers, and 30 public safety answering point staff. Really? For a total 1,272 cases that are out there. And those are all going through their process of approvals but we've gotten some of the cases that have now been approved by PSOB and they'll be added to the memorial this October so now we have four different categories of criteria that we're monitoring and then reporting 
and then recognizing, memorializing, and then supporting of the families. And that, and that, but that, that included the other stuff from after 9-11 with the heart attacks, right? That, Correct. That, That's all tied to the World Trade Center disease and then the, the, the occupational illnesses related to that. So it's, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot for us, but it's, it's what we do. That, that's, that's our charge. That's, that's what we're working on. And it, we should mention there's a couple bucks involved here and that because if I remember the last number I had was like $380,000, was yeah. that the benefit? It, it's, it, yes, and, and it's provided upon completion of the application process and then it's a a, 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 a one-time payment death benefit. Plus, they also have scholarship programs through PSOB right. as well. So besides our programs, and then with our partners at uh, COPS, Concerns for Police Survivors, and the National Law Enforcement Memorial does, um, th there is a scholarship program provided through PSOB. It, it, again, it's just amazing. And, and again, I'm, I'm not upset that they're being put on the wall. But it shows that the tide is turning and that we're giving respect and we're recognizing all these folks and and trying to take care of them, right? During the in multiple ways. The other thing I was going to mention is you 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 talked about some of the uh, uh, the support services. I've I've had not a lot, but I've had a, a couple. One particular. But I've had a couple scenarios where the the firehouse was broken. The firehouse was broken. The fire chief was broken. His staff was broken. The guys and gals were broken, and we ended up having Vicky uh, head over there, right, and 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 work with them for months to try to get them back to some kind of even keel. And Vicky's just one of many uh, of our, our mental health folks. Uh, that you that was that is with the uh, foundation, but again, uh, I didn't realize it till till actually this afternoon that on a weekly basis there's virtual there's virtual peer support groups, and there's right. uh, uh, and then there, you're also doing facilitated group support. So Correct. every week, and again, this was I didn't know this. Every week, firefighters are beaming in, or emergency responders are beaming in, and working together to try to to try to get through this because we know mental health is a big deal. Well, it is, and it was one of the initiatives that uh, we took on as well after 9/11 because we saw what behavioral health intervention did to support the FDNY through their counseling services unit and the work that the IFF was doing and other organizations related to peer support. And so that's where we developed the Stress First Aid, which is a program that originated as psychological first aid out of the military. And the military did a lot of research and, and, and did a lot of efforts to develop a program based on peer intervention, small unit leadership, to, to deal with the stressors of what we see and what we live with. And that developed into Curbside Manor, which is a program that helps first responders interact with the public. And all of it's intended to help reduce the stressors we deal with because we see the worst in our communities, the tragic occurrences, and, and unfortunately, uh, the, the injuries and deaths that occur. But I don't know if you see that, but it looks like Dave has his hand up over there. I don't know if you can see that or not. Oh, I'm sorry. 
we turn to we turn uh Dave, go ahead. I, I think I got him. Dave, go ahead with your question. There we go. Unmuted. There we go. Hi, thanks, uh, Nick. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, just um, it's great to hear that they're now, um, like you said, expanding uh, coverage for um, um, both uh, uh, COVID and cancers and everything. I, di I didn't hear you. Came in a little late there. Didn't hear you um, mention if uh, suicide is uh, covered because. Um, I understand that that's now statistically the number one killer of uh, first responders that it has exceeded um, um, cancer, heart disease and everything. I know on January 6th of the nine people that died, four of the um, four of the officers died of uh, suicide. And I know that that's not talked about. And, you know, if somebody... Um, dies uh you know on an incident uh you know they fall through a roof and they they run out of air they burn up oh they're a great hero and everything but if somebody dies of lead poisoning uh if uh you know what i mean the bullet to the head type of lead poisoning there yeah. um you know i don't know most cases even if they get the same kind of hero funeral or the same kind of acknowledgement and everything so can you mention if that's uh you know, sure. and, and actually that that is and thanks great question dave that, that is a major topic within the public safety arena today right. unfortunately and so i'll give you the bad news part when the public safety officer benefit language was written by co by congress suicide was specifically listed as a non-qualifying benefit really? it's in the legislation and so now it, it's going to take an act of Congress to change that. Literally. And there is a huge amount of momentum to do that very thing. And there are groups working on it. There's some legislation out there relative to public safety uh, <laughs> benefits, officers' safety. There's, a, there, there's all these discussions. And it's going to take a, a joint effort from within the entire public safety community to get Congress to reverse that. And unfortunately, there's a stigma attached to that. So you're right. Sometimes that the recognition and the family support that should be there isn't there. And, and that's a piece that through education and awareness and, and the big piece is data reporting has to, has to be put forward to, to make the case that, that it is an occupational illness resulting in injury that has to be covered and that our membership needs to have the services and support to do everything we can to prevent a member from taking their own life. That's a big piece too. We've got to do the prevention as well. We just had, um, so last month we had the guys from Firehouse Coffee on. And yeah. that, that was one of the things that Jason went on for a little bit about because he actually uh, runs a little foundation and, and uh, does some stuff for treatment centers and whatnot and and again we it's it's we actually had a little rub at a memorial service uh for a, a, a friend of mine who killed himself and there was there were some people who wanted to memorialize him as a as the firefighter he was and then there were other people that be, because of, of the victim's personal beliefs about what what memorials are for um, didn't want, uh, objected strongly that he would not have wanted this because it wasn't in the line of duty. 
it, it was it was again everybody's emotional and everybody's stressed up but it, it really it really rocked the community it rocked the, our, our region because but we didn't the, anticipate it right and, and so i think the, the the key in my belief is yes we we need to provide the support and resources once an individual takes their life i agree with that a thousand percent but i also believe even more so that we've got to put the programs in place and the recognizable signs and symptoms to address it before it happens. Absolutely. And I think that that has to be the discussions, and, and, and I'm going to say this, at the kitchen table. Who better knows what a firefighter is going through than his or her fellow brothers and sisters who sit around that fire station all day with them? And if you think about that, I mean, I could relate back to my own career. You know, when when your shift partners have marital issues or financial issues, or God forbid, substance abuse or whatever it might be. I mean, it, it, you're with them that whole shift. You 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 realize that. And and so part of the stress first aid program that was developed by the foundation is the tools for people to recognize that something's going on and then to intervene. You know, it's the old see something, exactly. say something, you know, TSA. And and on oh, how many times have we heard firefighters say, I know something was going on with Joe, but I didn't know how to address it. So I just didn't say anything. And then the tragedy occurs. And then there's that survivor guilt because they didn't intervene. And that's a hard thing to do. But there are tools for that out there. There are apps that have been put on cell phones, the, the, the trauma screening questionnaire that helps people assess their current status and assess other people's. And, and that's when you then have to say, I think there's a problem. And you know, if I'm wrong, I may be a little embarrassed, but if I'm right, I, I may be able to do something to intervene. And so the prevention piece has to be there as well. We, so, and it's got to start early. So we do a, uh, we do a program called for our new recruits uh, called fundamental training program. It's exactly what it sounds like, you know, pull this, push that. We use this, we use that. However, one of the things that they added was uh, surviving and, and it has nothing to do with bailing out. It has to do with, uh, with your health. It has to do and with your mental health, your physical health, uh, financial health. Uh, but we and then and we really went down to start. We had um, a couple of junior members, a couple of high schoolers uh, in, in the group. Uh, and we we went down the dark path and we said, listen, we because it because teen suicide is up there as well. So we're Absolutely. kind of. We're like planting the seeds here going, listen, it's like being nibbled on by guppies and every once in a while you see a barracuda. So listen, you gotta worry about this. You gotta do that. You gotta do these things. And we kind of planted that seed because we just, again, we had folks that the fellow I talked about, we had folks taking them fishing, taking them doing all these things, just trying to burn through, trying to show the light. And, and unfortunately that, it was just it was just too much but i think a lot of the stuff that everyone tried to do if it wasn't such a desperate situation would have worked 
And so it's like that. So we said, as a matter of fact, we I came up with feel something. Uh, Jim Duffy, uh, a friend of mine, uh, retired from Wallingford, was put out a great piece the other day on Facebook, and I said, feel something, say something. Right. If you're down in the dumps and you're just not you're not clicking, then reach out, reach out to somebody. Maybe you don't. Maybe your loved one isn't the one you're you don't want her to him or her to know. So go to your buddies. They've seen it. They've been it. They feel it. The days of the the old fart telling the young guy to suck it up, Buttercup. Those are days yeah. are gone. Th those are. But I you think that's a it. point you made just a minute ago. You know that that when people have issues within the fire service, and it could be whatever, marital, financial, whatever, um, that they struggle. But the majority of them need that voice and that person to vent to and and bounce off of not everybody needs medical intervention right but some do but the piece is for the peers the people that are at that table with that individual know when to say look this is beyond our as you mentioned beyond our capability we, we did a lot of different things but maybe it's the next step and and that's a a big piece because nobody wants to you know drag the leadership of the organization in or go outside of the, the, the firehouse and have to get a doctor intervention but it's it's for their survivability it's it's to prevent them from doing something that'll be harmful to themselves or harmful to others and and that's a concern in addition and so that's you know some of the the tips that are out there and there's some great programs that uh, have come out of the other organizations, the IFF, the National Volunteer Fire Council, IFC, you know, there's stuff out there. It's it's becoming what I like to call an educated consumer. Get exposed <laughs> to everything that's out there and then see which tool in that toolbox fits for your situation. But don't be afraid to call for help. Don't be I afraid to say, look, I don't know what to do. I need something. I need an intervention. I need some advice. And I think that's, I mean, we've started, so uh, in Connecticut, we got the peer support groups. Mm -hmm. They're doing good. They're, they're, and they're, it's spreading and we've got, and it's good people. It's not the wrong people doing that stuff. It's the right people doing that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. Uh, but at, at some point there, there may, you, you need to do a 911. You need to, to call. And again, that's what I saw uh, in one case where they 911 to the foundation and the foundation said we'll we'll either find we'll find you someone locally and if we can't find you someone locally in that particular time with that particular scenario you were able to to assign someone to work with them but again right. with all this stuff going on every every week with all now with the ability with zoom and google meets or whatever and having to have the ability to have all those all those meetings and that that group dynamics even though you're all over the country that's a huge that's just a huge service you know and again i didn't i didn't have any i didn't have any clue that that was going on not at all let me matter of fact, let me if we uh let me just check on something here um we talked about how bruno camp we talked about the college scholarships we talked about legacies and leadership everybody goes home the 16 initiatives uh the coup taking care of our own um, I love that class because that is that's like an ICS weenie's home run because <laughs> all you're doing is planning out something you hope never happens. That's the other thing we didn't talk about is 
we're part of a we're part of a, a of a group that no one ever wanted to be part of, but it's a very special group. And the survivors are part of a very special group that they didn't want anything. Obviously, they didn't want to be in. But and I see this when you break the teams up, when you break the the uh, survivors up by age, they walk in and they make eye contact and they understand. They understand the road. They understand the trip, the travel. And, and it's amazing that they can help other folks that are just starting that trip and help them to get there. Again, you guys do, you guys do survivor seminars. You do, again, weekends where you bring, and, and this, is, this is besides the memorial. Right. You, you do regional outreaches, just like the one that's going on in Atlanta this, this week for the Chiefs. You do stuff like that all the time. And, and people, don't, people don't know it. I didn't know all but that, stuff. that piece you talk about that peer piece of whether it's a family member, a spouse with a spouse, a parent with a parent, you know, or, or I see to I see uh, chief to chief. The, the thing is, yes, that person is reaching out to help that that newcomer to the to the family. But it's therapeutic for them, too. Oh, yeah, because they're still able to tell their story about their firefighter. And it may be 5, 10, 15, 20 years downstream. But their firefighters still being remembered as well. And that's why it works because they've walked in their shoes. They know what they're going through. So they're helping the new person, but they're also helping themselves. And that's that's the great part about that. And in, in my world, every October I get juiced. Every October I get my dose of, of helping someone else out that does more for me, frankly, uh, than I think it does for them. I don't think they realize they're in such a whirlwind. For them, they're just we're just trying. They're just trying to hang on and 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 take everything in. And the, the notes we get afterwards, and the letters we get afterwards, or the emails or texts or whatever, they're just over the top because during that time, they're. Tr but for me, it's it's making me feel better. It's because someone very that, therapeutic for you, absolutely. John did it for me. And now I get to do it for other people, but I digress. So let's talk about a couple of special things. So let's. So you've got this nationwide tur golf tournaments going. <laughs> we got, we've got golf tur tournaments in every state going on all summer. Well, that's part of. Uh, I mean, I mentioned oh, yeah. that congressional mandate that created us in the public law, law in 1992. Well, that law also said is that uh, we got to raise our own funds. So all the things that we do, the services we provide, we got to figure out how to get the revenues. So we do golf tournaments around the country. We do stair climbs around the country. Okay, talk about that. Okay. And then we do some big events like Stop, Drop, Rock and Roll at FDIC that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, they're all intended to remember, pay tribute, but also help us raise dollars so that we could take care of the families and take care of the departments that had that 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 lost loved one. And of course, golf is a great sport. Um, when I when I got uh, hired as uh, promoted to fire chief, my sisters bought me golf lessons. They thought, well, every fire chief is supposed to know how to play golf. <laughs> so I took up golf and, and I love it. I don't get out enough and don't have that opportunity. But there's a lot of people out there that are willing to go out and play 18 rounds of golf and and also contribute to support our, our fire hero families. And so all of our golf tournaments and all of our stair climbs are listed on our website. 
And now that the weather's breaking, people are starting to do them. There's a lot of stair climbs around 9-11 because they are tied to uh, the, the, the 333 yeah. firefighters that died, the 210 stories of the World Trade Center, 2,200 steps replicating what the FDNY did that day. And, and those dollars go directly into programmatic support. They're not paying for the light bills and they're not paying for, right. you know, the copy machines. They're going into the programs that help the families and the departments that have suffered a line of duty death. And that that's what makes it all the more better. The I, I, I was with you at FDIC and uh, and I they asked me if I was if I was walking. I, I said, not today. <laughs> it's not, I'm not I'm, I used to do. I would do that 20 years ago, but I'm not. Well, for, and, and I'm, I hate to say it, but I mean, I'm still an active volunteer. When I retired from Prince George's, I moved to the Eastern Shore of Maryland and the little United Communities Volunteer yeah. Fire Department's all we got. So I, I try to help, but you know, as, as we get older, our bodies tend to disagree That's with right. certain activities. That's right. And, you know, going down hallways as a career firefighter in a very busy department, the knees are shot, yep. you know, anymore exactly. I get up and I got to I got to get the grease fitting in my hip realigned to get get some movement in my hips, but that's the thing I, I've said about it is the balance. I'm, yeah, I, exactly. I miss, exactly. I used to be able to go up, go climb, climb a ladder, you know, one hand, brick, saw on the shoulder, get up in there, climb, blah, 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 bounce all over the place, cut and get back down. No, no, I did. I, in fact, I gave up my uh, I gave up my <laughs> interior certification when I when I joined my my present firehouse and i'm just say i stay outside i help the incident commander yeah and, but, and, well I, I i'm at the point where i'll drive for them um if i had to i think we all if we had to if yeah. it was a life and death and we had to go down that hallway we do our very best we figured out but, uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's well, tough these days. well you're actually if i got this great you're the president of the company right Aren't i you am the i'm the president of united communities and uh i had no intentions of getting back engaged when i retired <laughs> but uh you know how it is, small rural yeah. community. Yeah. They, they take anybody that they can get and they decided to take me. And so then you just kind of get sucked into helping. You know? And it's not and it, it's not easy being small. You need all hands on deck. Cause I may not be able to go in the building but I can bring the host to the front of the building, right? Or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And, and again, having seasoned eyes, eyes that have seen patterns and eyes that have seen stuff, It's it, it that's where my, I'm, my thing is I'm the safety guy. I'm doing 360s for the boss and we're talking and having conversations uh, just because it's, you know, I've seen some stuff. <laughs> I've seen some stuff. <laughs> Haven't we all? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you forgot the NASCAR people. Oh, that's right. I forgot about NASCAR oh, race. So Dover. Oh my Dover God. Dover International Speedway uh, reached out to us a few years back and said that they wanted to do something special uh, on their uh, spring race. And so we started doing races uh, where we would have a hospitality tent and we would sell a special package that included the hospitality in the race, trackside tours, driver appearances. And so NASCAR has been working with us uh, in other jurisdictions, we did one at Daytona, we did one at Auto Club Speedway in California, we did one in in uh, Nashville, and uh, Dover's our home base. So we're getting ready for that race yeah, this, coming this up. spring. Uh, May 1st is that cup race, and we're going to be in the fan zone this year. 
uh, doing some outreach, some uh, we're inviting some public safety partners to present life safety things because the fan zone is open to everybody. Nice. And uh, if you go to That's our website, you can see that the tickets are still available. And it's something special about this race because um, we're gonna the, the the NASCAR family wanted to do something to pay tribute to the three Baltimore firefighters. Roger. And so there'll be a, a tribute for them at this race as well. And so that that's a nice piece. And so um, they, they've done that before when, when the, 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 the fire fatality in Wilmington occurred, they did something for that. And so uh, something close to the track, they want to they do some recognition. So nice. we're working with uh, Dover uh, Speedway and uh, making all that happen. So we have that going on. And then um, there are small events around the country that communities do. Uh, I've seen everything from, you know, uh, chili cook-offs to spaghetti dinners, whatever people want to do to have some activity in their community that, that brings some resources to us. And it, 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 it does a great job. It, 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 it really does. I'll tell you what, that, that Dover, that Dover t-shirt, that's the highway right there. That's a, yeah. that's well, a that, cool. for those that are, that are listening that, they have a, uh, um, it's called the Monster Mount Track. And so they have a uh, uh, a stone monster. It's the best way to say it. That's their yep. mascot. Yep. And they put him in turnout gear and he pays respects and uh, does his tribute to, to the fire service. And so each year there's a collector shirt that uh, will be available this year as well. So if somebody's interested, go to our website. You'll see all of the programs. And that's the other piece, firehero.org. All these programs, all these services, all these events, and if somebody wants to donate, there's a donate now button on there as well. That uh, you could go to our website again. It's firehero.org, and learn more about the foundation and get involved because we're always looking for people who want to volunteer their time and talents and uh, treasures to to help uh, us help the families. All right, you ready? This is just March. We've got the men forging ahead kids camp. We've got the facilitated support group and then the virtual peer support group. April starts getting crazy. So April, we got the Fight for Life Golf Series. And again, that's any golf course in the United States could be doing that. The annual Garrett W. Lewis Educational Seminar. 32 annual national fire, 32nd annual national fire and emergency services. Um, and that's a, I think that's a, Looks like that's a, a dinner, and but it's also a, a workshop. And then again, every week there's a facilitated support group and a virtual support group. April uh, 2022 Remembrance Group, um, Fight for Life Golf, again, another one, FDIC Climb and the Movie Night. Uh, and I can't read my own writing. Uh, IC to IC, right? Uh, the Howard County Residential Structure Fire. Stop, drop, and rock and roll again at Indy. In May, it's got the Dover, the Duramax 400. Um, and then the in International Fire Service Day. And then on, in May, you've got the Shrine for, oh, the Shine Your Light for Firefighters. Fallen Firefighters, and, right? Right, and then you've got the Fire Hero Family Wellness Day, and that's just that's 
that's just like this much on their website. So I, and again, I'm embarrassed to tell you until I did the research, I didn't know all that. I knew, I mean, I may have participated in a couple of fundraisers at various uh, uh, FDICs or I chiefs, or, I mean, that's a whole nother. I mean, you're going, you're going to New York state chiefs. I mean, you're, right. you're everywhere. If it's big enough that they're selling, that they, they're renting booths, you're there. Pretty we much. Do, we do, in our heyday, I think we were doing like 17 trade shows a year. Because I remember the girls, were the, the ladies were heading out. To, yep. And again, and it's still, even, even at the New York show, there was a, a group of folks that I didn't recognize any, but they came representing the, memorial, uh, the foundation. And Usually it's their- fire hero families from the community that, Right, the loved ones of fallen firefighters. They love the work to show, and they like to tell their story because they're tell, talking about their firefighter. They're, they're remembering their firefighter, so it's nice. No, ab- absolutely. Just, and that that's a strong group too. And I know, I know that group was so excited uh, uh, last year because uh, even they were kind of they were actually there was not a whole ton of those folks there last year, but the ones that got to come were just excited to be there, and the ones that will be coming this October will even be more happy. Mm-hmm. Because again, they're such an integral part of the whole process between, you know, all the stuff they do is, you don't even think about all the stuff they do until you need something. And like last year, we needed this or needed that, or we were looking for that, or somebody comes up and asks us for something. And we just turn and say, uh, uh, hang on, I'll find out. And then you go find find somebody else where you had this massive group of red shirted people and again, but they help with the other stuff too. It's not just the, that's the point I'm trying to make. It's not just the weekend. It's the, the, the symposiums and, and the, 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 the retreats and all of that stuff. It is a huge family. It is a huge family that all works together uh, to, to remember our fallen. You know, that's Absolutely. what it's all about. All right. Team effort. Team, it is, a, it is a big team. <laughs> it's not, it's not like 12 people. Even though your 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 full time staff is is what maybe seven nine, or has it gotten a lot bigger since the last it's, time? It's yeah, we're 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 between Emmitsburg and Crofton. I think oh, yeah. we're twenty three staff now. Can't forget Crofton; those are my peoples there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Uh, I, I want to segue off. We've been going a little bit more about an hour. I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, so in, in, in your mind, and we've talked a lot about these things, but in your mind, give me the top, well, as many as you want, but the top three or four things, fire service wise, we really got to, we really got to focus on if we're going to, uh, and again, we've talked about a couple of these things. If we're going to try to re- reduce the line of duty deaths more, I'm, I'm very proud. Again, there's some external, external circumstances that no one could have planned for. I'm very proud of, of when it comes to the bread and butter daily operations, how we're reducing sure. risk and we're reducing uh, injuries and line of duty deaths. But what do you think those those biggies are that we really need to be focusing on? Well, well I think there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, if, if you look at uh, the, the, the two newest criteria that we're tracking, which is cancer and suicide, the, the prevention efforts that are known to help intervene with that. And on the cancer side, 
you know, it's the steps we could take, SCBAs, clean our gear, all those, all those issues that are out there. Uh, that is a critical piece because I think the data is going to continue to show that the number of exposures due to the byproducts of combustion and the environment we're in is significantly going to impact the health and wellness of the fire service community, as well as the issues we've talked about with preventing suicide. And that's a big issue. That that intervention, that support, that help, and ultimately those benefits for those families that went out suffers. But those are two pieces that are kind of going down parallel tracks to get recognition through federal legislation, to get through uh, efforts to help reduce the stigma. And, and you know, when you've got to look at our cultural behavioral components that led to both of those, you know, and I'll use cancers, for example, the smoking and the dietary and all those other things that we do, you know, kind of takes us down that road to, 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 to make us more susceptible to cancers. Yep. And, and then on the suicide piece, you know, the, 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 the lack of behavioral health intervention, uh, unfortunately, substance and or alcohol abuse, and the stressors that we face with the traumatic occurrences. We see the worst in our communities, often involving the very young and the very old. And we have to have the tools in place to build on that. So those two are percolating, but they, they're, they're gonna need a lot of work and a lot of assistance. Um, we still see the elements related to the, the need for more application of science into understanding our industry. And yeah. you know whether it's UL and the great work they're doing or Dr. Denise Smith at Skidmore College or Sarah Janke and I could go down Stefanos uh, Kales at Harvard School of Medicine all the researchers have to continue to provide the data and the information to help us make good decisions relative to our industry in all facets, from leadership to equipment to, to health and wellness, to help us better understand who we are and how we do it. And, and I think that that is a piece that's being driven by our changing environment. And you look at, you know, fires are burning hotter, faster. You know, recently we've seen numerous firefighters that go into a, a structure and right through the floor. Yeah. Whether it's Howard County or Prince William County, Mayor. Happened or, yesterday, and happened twice. In one fire, two guys yeah. went through the floor yesterday. And, and that's because of the changes within the building industry and the, the assault on codes and standards and you know, unfortunately, the attack on having sprinkler systems in place. And I'm a proponent of sprinklers. I believe they are a lifesaver. But getting the building stock into a position where they're protected. Right. It's a big, it's a fight everywhere you go. And and so we've got to figure out what what is the best channel for that. And then I think the other piece is command and control. You know, the, the decision making on the fire ground. We need to give people every tool possible to try and make the best decision they can on the fire ground. And, and we have seen line of duty deaths that have been attributed to a bad decision or a poor decision, I should say, and not having all the information and making assumptions and that leading to a catastrophic failure of the system. So those are you know, a lot of different pieces, but they're all very important. 
<coughs> and and it's being driven now. We need to ensure there's resources to do the research, to buy the equipment, to provide the programs, to, to reduce deaths and injuries. So there, there's a gambit, but what I would say is that we need to become involved in our process. We talked about the Congressional Fire Services Institute, the National Advisory Committee that is looking at on a federal level programs and, and legislation to help us. People need to be involved with that. Our voices need to be heard with our political environment. We need to tell our story, tell it well, and let people know what our needs are. And uh, that's, a, that's a big piece, especially recruitment and retention, you know, especially in the volunteer side, we're seeing less and less people being able to volunteer their time. So there's a ton of issues out there and it's, it's they're all being worked on, uh, but uh, different groups are, are focused on the ones that pertain within their structure. And that's a good thing, but, but there are some things that need everybody's attention as well. Somebody's got to conduct the orchestra so that we get all those, all those pieces in the same room so they can say, well, we can do this, but we can do that, but you can't do this. What about that? You know, so we have that communications. I, I, I think one of the difficulties and it, and it, I've seen it, but you see it everywhere. Uh, there are, there are <laughs> people are hard to change. People's minds are hard to change anyway. We, we, we're going through, you know, two years of arguing about arguing. So and even in the, even in the firehouse, you know, uh, simple thing is washing your gear or, you know, all those, all the little arguments, the, uh, you know, smoke-free cabs or all, all these other stuff that we're, that we're now we're bickering with each other about and we should be happy we have cabs <laughs> yeah but we have the ability to do that and to try to and not everybody's going to move as fast as other every other other people uh to make to do the changes and try something different sometimes they have to learn the hard way sometimes and not that we ever would put anybody in a position to fail and to get hurt but sometimes we can tell people what to do, show them how to do it, require them to do it, and they still don't do it. And then we discipline them. And it's just like this age old battle of, well, I know more about it because I've been here for whatever. And it's like, <laughs> listen, dude, I've been here for a long time and I'm still learning stuff every every week. I mean, well, I think that I, I think that what has what we have to do, and I say that everyone, is open our minds up to, to try to learn something new every day. And understand that we don't know everything. And there are those that think they know everything and, and understand. And, and you have to then find the way to, to get your point across and show them that, you know, maybe your point of view isn't exactly right. And I'll give you an example. So you're talking about my firehouse, United Communities. It's a small engine company located on the southern tip of an island in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, right? <laughs> We got two engines, a tanker, brush truck, fireboat, and um, we run. We do run a paramedic and a BLS volunteer staffed ambulances, and um, we, we've got about 2,400 households. But the next closest emergency service provider is 14 miles away. So, that way, <laughs> yeah. On and the if other we don't end, bring water because we got on no the other end of the ship. Right. If we don't bring water, we're not going to have any water. You know, unless right. we're pumping out of. Chesapeake Bay. But anyway, um, you know, we've been talking about firefighter health and safety and, you know, the, the carcinogens in the fire station and, you know, that whole bit, turnout gear, dirty, all that. So we have an exhaust system for our apparatus. 
And about five years ago, we had the whole station painted, engine room, engine bays and all that, because we got a grant to get gear racks. So everybody's got, we used to have the hooks on the wall, you know what I mean? To tell you, the boot, the boot tray at the bottom and the hooks on top, right? Yeah, we got rid of all that, we got these trays. So anyway, we have an exhaust system and we use it. But when you back into the station, it's not connected, right? So we're trying to make this point that, yes, we have an exhaust system and every time we go out, it's collected, but there's still byproducts of combustion. And we had a couple of guys say, no, 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 it's not, no, no, right? Firehouse. So three weeks ago, we decided we're going to pressure wash the engine room floor, <laughs> right? And so to do that, we had to move the gear racks to wash underneath it. Yep. Well, from the floor, four feet up on this wall that was painted with new paint four years ago is black residue behind the turnout gear. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody saw it because yeah, the racks there. of turnout gear were there. And yeah. so I just said to them, look, and you could just look down the wall and see it, the carbon yeah. from the diesel yeah. exhaust. And I said, now think about this. That stuff went from the engine through your gear <laughs> to adhere to the wall. Yeah, that's right. So we got people's attention a little bit. We had to, so here was our problem. We, uh, they were all over it. So, so one of the things that happens, who was ever at the station, Right. One of your jobs is to go up like one guy backs the truck up. The other guy takes the, the recovery. And as you break the plane of the door, magnets a magnet goes on. They were they were literally melting or becoming damaged from the heat and falling apart. So what they had to do. And if you look at our firehouse, you've got a yellow hose and then you've got a this blue hose which is made to sit on with the truck running. You could actually right. run the truck inside because of this. So all of the trucks, even the little F, the Chevy pickup, all of the vehicles have that high temperature thing so they can capture it on the way in. But again, somebody had to think of that. Someone had to do the research. Someone had to find the money. Um, and again, some people, so back to your thing, um, I don't know what your, the funding source is, but you know, when we travel around doing studies, we're going to places we had one, we had one uh, fire station that did 30, the members come together, the 30, 3,200, 3,400 hours of extra stuff besides running to call to try to raise money. They sold everything. They sold pies. They sold yogurt. They sold signs. They ran a, they ran a circuit, a, a carnival. They, ham and bean suppers <laughs> they got their money from so we're the eastern shore of maryland we do barbecue right? chicken dinners right right pull a grill out in front of the firehouse and start cooking at eight at six o'clock in the morning on a saturday you know yep yep and they we line that. up we do raffles you know yeah events. It, it, so all of that my, my point is someone has to be really foreshadowing or forecasting and looking at that issue and and saying because I know a lot of times you probably argued for like six months about whether they get the racks for the coats or not. Yeah. Right. Is it, is it that's just, that's just Smallville. That's just not easy being small. That's a Smallville thing. Um, and, but again, the fire doesn't care, right? Cancer doesn't care. It, it doesn't, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's going to do its thing if it's allowed to get loose. Right. Right. So, so it, it is hard. It, 
I think when you're small, it's either goes one way or the other. It's either it's not going to happen here, or they've got enough. Somebody in the firehouse has enough time to look up all these new things and do like that. And maybe they have the support, financial support, the community support to be able to do some of that stuff and get ahead of it. There's a lot of places in the middle, though, that don't know either end. Yeah. And, and we get support from our community, which we're very appreciative. We do a couple fun drives a year. And then we have we don't have much in the way of corporate sponsors because there's nothing down our yeah. way but water and homes. Uh, but uh, we do get some support from our county government. We're an unincorporated community, so there's no city government. There's no town. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, it's it's a beautiful place to live when you're in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, but it's got its challenges, too. It has its, it has its moments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's, there's stories told about wind, wind-driven fires down those places yes. where, where you got to... The, all the jurisdictions along the bay are adding a fireboat now to nice. any waterfront home because yeah. Anne Arundel County had a, a major conflagration one night. Uh, beach house on the water caught fire and it, the wind was blowing oh. and it just blew it into multiple houses. So they're putting fireboats on them to do the loose guns to try to create a fire break of some sorts. But yeah, that's, yeah. it's a big Hopefully. issue. Run stretch the line to the water and hook up to the boat and the yep. boat will sit there because the, the, the boat won't run out of water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> we, the tide's you know, going we, out. That's we a whole pump from the bay, but then that's a whole other element when you start pumping salt water through those yep. $400,000 fire trucks, you know. Yep. Got to rinse it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, listen, Chief, thank you. Uh, I, that's all I've got. Have you got anything else? I uh, just an opportunity to, to, to thank you for letting me do this and telling people that the foundation is always looking for people to get involved. So I'm going to do that firehero.org again, reach out to us, see what we're doing, get involved with our programs, support us if you can, and let us know what we can do to help you. So thank you for that. You do an awful lot. You do an awful lot, Chief. And and your, your team, I, again, when I see them, uh, I, I got to see them a little bit more, uh, uh, God, 10 years ago. But uh, when I'm there, they're, they are 100% focused on what they do. And they they think about what they do first. And I think they think about what they do before they think, they think about themselves. I know I've got that. a great team. They work hard and I appreciate everything they do. I've got a great board that supports us. So all, all around, it, it's been a great journey for me. But well, you, you and you guys do a great job. So that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, we, we're yeah, we're about a little bit an hour and fifteen minutes or so. So uh, I do thank you again. Uh, we will get Billy G on um, again. You want to talk about someone who's impacted the fire service? Absolutely, and Billy serves on our board of directors, so Absolutely. we're glad he's a part of that too. Right, just uh, just great. All right, so uh, again, uh, thank you so much. Folks, that wraps it up. Wraps, wraps it up for tonight, uh, Chief. I'll be seeing you in what three weeks in FDIC. FDIC, yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll be looking for Thank the rock and roll. Exactly. Thank you very much. Nick, All right, Nick, thanks everybody. Nick, real quick, can you send the link for getting the recorded version of the the, the Spotify or whatever to get the uh, 
get the recording, how we can get the recording of the uh, of the talk, because I'd like to pass this on. So, so if you if you give us a couple of days, uh, you should you can go to our website, the JLN Associates website, uh, and it'll be there. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. just up on your office on Monday for your for the for the confined space class, but that's oh okay. But yeah, they don't have that. They don't have that. Uh, obviously, they wouldn't have it yet. But all of these uh, two things happen: when the recordings uh, get up, put online, uh, there's a a button on the website, and then the second thing is again, usually it's 24 to 40 hours. I think this week it may be a little later on in the week. But this will go out on Spotify, and it's just hashtag JLN Critical Conversations. Um, and I would tell you, Chief, if you get a chance, go to go to that and and listen to our interview with uh, uh, Jason and uh, Firefighter Fenton. It was it was nuts. It was a it was a really good night. It was a good night. I have to do that. Thank you for telling me about that. All right. Thanks for coming. All right. Before we're all set, we're punching out.